If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life. But it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey. And that's what you're going to get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm Becky Fleischer, your host. I've been recording the first few episodes of this new year outside of my studio. I'm sitting in a living room and I hope you can't hear the background noise that I'm hearing outside of my windows. And I hope the audio is not too wonky because I totally forgot. <laughs> I totally forgot to bring my microphone stand. So I'm sitting here holding this microphone, hoping I don't make any weird hand noises and that the audio sounds okay. And ugh, all the things I planned for making good podcast episodes while I was away, I messed up my plan. See, I'm having trouble with plans this year. Good thing we're on a path for 2021, right? We're on a path, not worrying about those plans. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it happen. So I'm sitting in upstate New York, and you guys, there's a ton of snow falling outside, and it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful to sit here and watch it float around so elegantly and land so softly. I'm working at a table that's sitting in a bay window, so it's got my full attention. And every day, there has been snow falling at some point. And I gotta tell you, I am just completely enamored with it. It's been stalling my productivity, which is a problem for my to-do list, but it's been such a calming influence. And isn't it interesting how stopping to appreciate something in nature, like watching the snowfall or the sunrise, or catching the first buds on a tree in spring, how it can center us in this kind of magical way. It's really amazing how powerful nature is. And I know this isn't just anecdotal because I had the honor of serving on the board of trustees for the hospital in our area. And we were one of the first hospitals in the nation to be designated a plain tree hospital, which is the gold standard in patient-centered care. It's an approach that looks at everything that touches the patient from the patient's perspective, and it influences how healthcare is delivered. And one of the projects that I helped raise money for was building a new state-of-the-art emergency department. I remember when the architects came in, they were plain tree certified architects. So they were very intentional about the design, and it was really of paramount importance to them that the patient rooms be along the outside walls of the building and have access to views of nature. They put a lot of emphasis on what the patients were seeing from their beds and really wanted them to be able to see outside. And they put as much emphasis on what was outside of the walls, like what trees were there, was there greenery, were there flowers? They paid as much attention to that as what was on the inside. And you know what? 
The doctors and nurses whose workstations got pushed to the middle of the department where patient rooms normally would be, and doctors and nurses would normally have the outer edge with the views, those doctors and nurses didn't complain at all because they understood. They know the science of how powerful nature is on your well-being. It's really well documented that being in nature or even viewing scenes of nature reduces anger, fear, stress, and it increases pleasant feelings. So it shouldn't come as any surprise to me how completely blissed out I'm feeling as I sit here watching the snowfall. And it also shouldn't surprise me how quickly that bliss can turn to blister the minute I open my social media, the minute I look at my phone, turn on the news, any of those things can take all of these positive effects from my beautiful little snowfall and flip it upside down, crushing me by all of the information that's flowing to us through 24-7 news cycles, mobile phone alerts, notifications, emails, text messages, social media. Ah, oh, we are in nonstop receiving mode, especially in 2020. Oh man, every day, every hour, it seemed like almost every minute there was new information, different information, differing information about the coronavirus, where it was, what we should do. Talk about a constant news flow and one with really high stakes information. Put on top of all of that, the civil unrest that pushed so many of us to start consuming new and different types of information so that we could better understand what was happening with systemic racism and police brutality. And you know, here I'm speaking primarily of white America. We're the ones who I feel had the most to learn, even though my dear friend and my first guest, Vicki Clark, as an African-American woman admitted that she had to really start digging into information in a much deeper way in 2020 as well. So I don't think it's exclusive to white America, but certainly as a white woman, I felt like I was in need of expanding my news outlets and my news sources, and I needed to start reading more and understanding more. So that was a whole nother layer added into 2020. And then if you want to top off the year, we had a presidential election with a sitting president who was quite fond of generating lots and lots of news. And no matter what you think of him, he was incredibly hard to keep up with. So if the information age didn't already have us on the ropes in terms of information overload, I think 2020 got us there really quickly. Now, I hope that the title of this episode didn't set you up to think that I was going to sit here through this whole show and give you a list of things you can do or tools you can use to manage information overload, because that's not the main entree today. Those things are important and don't get me wrong, we all have to figure out how to manage this vast amount of information that comes at us every single day. There are some universal things that people talk about that you can find easily and quickly on a Google search. Talk about information overload right there. But you can find some things on a Google search quickly that can help you. And I'm sure many of you have employed things like, you know, managing your time and scheduling your time, including social media. You know, Android users can take advantage of Google's digital well-being tool. iPhone users can use Apple screen time settings to control how often you're on your phone or how often you're on your social media. I know for me, 
Many years ago, I turned off all my notifications. And you guys, not just the pop-up banners that just pop up news notifications. I turned the sound off for all incoming emails and text messages. What? Text messages? What blasphemy, you say? You can't turn off text messaging. That's the whole point, to like get back to people quickly. I turned it all off. I say, you be the boss of when you look at your phone. Don't become Pavlov's dog with some bell dinging at you, making you go run to your phone. Turning off those notifications has been huge for me. I've also heard people talking about how important it is to balance your consumption. You know, find news that you like, find news that you find interesting, like reading a music blog or a book review, and balancing that with consuming news that you need to know locally, nationally, or globally. It's important to stay informed, of course. Another really powerful way to manage information overload is to limit your sources. Know who you're going to and what you're going to them for. For example, in the morning, I like to listen to my local AM news station because it hits me with local, national, and international headlines. Then when I drive my kids to school, I listen to a nationally based headline news. For me, headline news is enough. I've got the primer on what's happening in the world, and if I feel the need to know more about something, I'll go find it. And I have my news outlets representing you know, more liberal and more conservative bends, so I get a balance. This notion of limiting your sources also really applies to social media. If you're on every social media network out there, I don't know, you might consider getting off of one of them if you're feeling overwhelmed. I mean, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Snapchat, TikTok. And for the love of all, I'm hearing about this new one called Clubhouse that everybody's going on and on about. I almost cried when I heard about it. I don't want one more social networking site. It's too much. Ah. And now I read someone saying Clubhouse is taking time away from listening to their podcast. So I don't even know what that means for me, but I'm telling you right now, I don't think I can go on one more social networking site. I don't know what the future is going to be with Clubhouse, but for me, I like to keep my social media networks down to a minimum, Facebook, Instagram. That's about all I can manage. I like to take my time and be intentional with those. So that's really all that I try to stay on. If you're on all of those things, or if you feel like you have to be on all of those things because your kids are on and you really need to monitor it, I get that too. But you know, you can always delete the apps from your phone and it's gonna force you to go to your computer to check on things, which you can do once a day, make it a little more manageable. It's really about intentionality. And this last suggestion that I've seen over and over again points to this intentionality as well. And that's search with purpose. It is so dangerous to go online and just read random stories. You can really click here and then one story leads to three more facts that get interesting about that. And then you get pulled down that rabbit hole. And before you know it, your original search for, you know, a recipe for the slow cooker leads you to an article about, you know, about food insecurity. These aren't bad things, but before you know it, your day is gone. So yes, there are strategies that can help us all managing information. And I'm no information specialist, but it doesn't take a specialist to see the common denominator here. It's us. We have to control the flow. So the big question today that I want to get into is, why don't we? Why don't we control the flow? 
And there are so many wise people out there with so many tips explaining how we can. We just went through a list of them that I easily found on Google, some that I do for myself. So why do we allow ourselves to get so overwhelmed? Is it our lack of discipline? Is it really that there's just too much information and we are obligated to read as much of it as we can? I don't think so. I don't think the real problem is too much information. I think the real problem is that we've made information the primary driver of our actions. Just stick with me for a minute on this one as I flesh this out a little bit for you. I keep going back to what Jenny Lee said when she was a guest on the show, that we are in a massive consciousness shift and that everyone needs to be listening deeply to their highest wisdom, our inner wisdom. Now, I can't sit here and pretend that I'm some inner wisdom expert. The truth is that I have silenced my inner wisdom so many times that it nearly choked the life force energy right out of me. But I have learned so much in the past few years that has really given me grounding to hear and to trust, to trust my inner wisdom, to trust what my soul is calling me to do, to follow my heart and where it's leading me. And one of the biggest things I've had to really release and surrender in this journey is the need to justify, in intellectual terms specifically, what my inner wisdom, my highest wisdom, is telling me. To just let the knowing be enough all on its own for exploration, not destination. Don't confuse the two. Exploration. I really had to trust my knowing, and I needed to let my knowing be enough to stand on its own, to let me explore what that knowing was telling me. And from there, intentionally seeking out the information that I needed to move forward. It's heart first, head second. Our problem with information overload is an order of operations issue. And that is so daggone hard because we are a very head-driven country. We are driven by success that's been attained through intellectual prowess and cognitive abilities. And don't get me wrong, information and knowledge, they are important. They are tools that we have been gifted as humans for a reason, but they are tools. They're not the engine. Just look at the word for acquiring knowledge and understanding, cognition. When you look it up, Online, when you go to images, talking about running down rabbit holes, but if you want to follow me on this one, you can look up an image for cognition. You're going to get pictures of brains full of wheels with little projections and grooves along the edges. They're literally cogs. The function of our intellect and information in general is nothing more than a cog on a wheel. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Cogs are important tools. They're powerful tools. They literally transfer motion. That's their job to get things moving. So yeah, yeah, we need that. But it's not the driver. It cannot be the engine. The information age has proven this. We are on serious information overload as a society. Our cognitive abilities are overburdened. We have become almost nonstop consumers of information coming in from all directions. 
And there just aren't enough hours in the day to effectively determine which information can be deemed reliable and useful and which should be immediately discarded. Our intellect is always on the hunt for more information. And you can always find someone who knows more than you or knows something different from you. So how do you know what's true? Now, I'm not saying that there's no such thing as objective truth, but what I'm saying is the head can distort the truth. It can take any bits of information or data and manipulate it to whatever it wants to be to make its case. The heart, the heart can't do that. Our heads are always on the hunt for more. More information, more stories, more data, more proof to make our points. And this really distracts us from our tasks. It reduces our productivity for sure. But worse than that, this never-ending hunt interferes with our natural thought processes. It inhibits logic. It inhibits creativity. And it inhibits innovation. You know what it creates? It creates paralysis. It traps us in research cycles or in indecision that keeps us stuck. So what's the remedy here? I touched on it a little in my last episode when I talk about prioritizing path over plans. If you didn't hear that one, you can go back and get all the details, but it comes down to the same common theme, our highest wisdom, our inner wisdom, the remedy, that's what it is, our heart. Our heart helps us chart the right path for our lives and then manage the information that we need on that path. The head, the brain, our acquired knowledge, our intellect, our cognitive abilities, those should all be in service to the directives of our heart. Heart first, heart driven, heart led. The heart, that place where we are in union with the divine and the place where those whispers from our soul emanate, our highest wisdom, our inner wisdom, that's what we should be leading with. Then and only then do we employ the power tools of intellect and information to get that knowing in motion, to actualize it in the world. Do you see the difference? A head first version versus a heart first version? Remember that last tip on the list of pointers for how to manage information overload? search with purpose, this is what that's about. Intentionality. What is the purpose of all of this information? So shifting this balance of power from our head to our heart is not that easy, you guys. It's not. We are conditioned to think as a society that intellect should be driving everything. This is a tough one, it really is, and it's one that I have been working through for the last several years. And as I have, I started noticing a belief that I've held pretty true and dear that was really preventing me from falling into this new order. What I recognized was that for the majority of my life, I haven't really allowed very heart-centered people to get too close to me. And it's not because I don't like them, in fact, I've always really been somewhat drawn to them, like a moth to their flame. My inner wisdom just kept pulling me to people who were really heart-centered because it knew I needed their lessons. It knew. But my head, my ego, 
it would not allow it. It just wouldn't allow it. My head just couldn't tolerate very heart-centered people, heart-led people. And I know this sounds horrible, but it's true. In my world and the way that I operated, I didn't have any space for them because they feel everything. And it's so very sincere and it's amazing when they're sitting there feeling everything with you. But when you're trying to get things done, oh God, you guys, they slow me down. You know, my ego couldn't take it. I had this need to achieve. Every personality test I've ever taken has been thoroughly consistent in pointing out my usual behavior, the way that I operate without thinking. And it's very consistent, it's very focused, it's very methodical with an action and achievement orientation. Which means I stuff my emotions and keep them locked up if they get in the way of what I'm trying to do. Anyone relate to that? Those tests, those personality tests were not lying. They were on point, in fact. But what has always baffled me on those personality tests is that my needs are quite different. I need time for reflection, introspection. I need deep and meaningful connections with people, and I need a welcoming and safe place where I can express my feelings. And when I would read that part of the report, there would always be a part of me that was like, that, that might be true, that that's how I sometimes feel, but I don't really need that. I can carry on and soldier on without it. I was ignoring my needs. That's what that was. It turns out I have very heart-centered needs, but I present in the world as a very headstrong person. And I bought my own spin. <laughs> For real, I bought my own spin. Crazy, right? I am literally in a tug of war with myself. And what I've come to understand is that all of the gifts that I've been given through my usual behaviors, the things that I just do naturally, they're the head tools. Achievement and action, especially our ego-based traps. And don't get me wrong, they can be put to great use. But again, only when they're the tools, not the engine. My needs are heart-based. My needs are what should be driving. But in this very headfirst country, and even on those personality assessment reports, the tools of the head come first. If you've ever read one of those reports, the tools of the head come first. Needs, they're like three, four pages in. No wonder I've had it backward all these years. Put on top of that, that putting your needs first, ooh, Wait a second, that sounds very selfish, doesn't it? That female warning system is going into full red alert. But putting your needs first isn't bad. It's a boundary. It's what Brene Brown talks about when she says strong back, soft front, wild heart, and how the mark of that wild heart is standing up and saying, I'm going to belong to myself first and betray myself last. And to know that when you're speaking up and saying that from your heart, from a place of inner wisdom, a place of love, that's not going to hurt anyone. But I suck at boundaries, quite honestly. <laughs> I mean, bad. That's a topic for an entirely different show or maybe a whole entire different season. <laughs> I'm not sure. But I have become very aware that my inability to set them appropriately 
is also why I have had such a hard time falling into this order of heart first. Because if I opened my heart too widely, I feared I would feel it all. And then if I felt it all, I would have an obligation to do something about it all. And my inner wisdom and my practical knowledge, they both tell me that if you focus on everything, you focus on nothing. And I can't deny the project manager tendencies in me. Those are gifts as well. So achieving things is important. It is important for all of us. Taking your heart-centered and your heart-led knowings and then achieving something with that, that's what it's all about. That's the whole point here. That's unleashing your soul song. So yes, yes, we need to be heart-led. And that might mean we no longer have the luxury of looking away so that we don't have to feel it all. But it doesn't mean you have to do it all. In the same time that I was circling so tightly around this theme, I saw a post by Rachel Cargill on Instagram that pulled my static circling spiral upward. She showed me the way. If you aren't familiar with Rachel, I encourage you to follow her on Instagram at rachel.cargle, that's C-A-R-G-L-E. She is a Black American author, speaker, and activist known for her involvement in anti-racism work, and her audience is primarily white women. She doesn't sugarcoat things, which honestly isn't always easy to hear or swallow, but it always gets me thinking, and I really respect her perspective and her work. So she posted something that I'm going to read to you about setting boundaries. And I want to say right up top before I read this, that in no way, shape or form, am I trying to compare the weight of my journey to hers. I am sure as an African-American woman, she is exhausted as are so many anti-racism activists right now. And her pointed call to white women to step up and do our own work isn't lost on me at all. So I'm going to read her post verbatim because she is an outstanding writer and every word of her message is important. And then I'm going to unpack the lessons I took from it with the hope that I didn't misunderstand her point and I don't want to misrepresent her words at all. So she posted in her picture on Instagram what looks like a clip from a post she made on Instagram in 2019. Maybe it was on Twitter. I can't tell. So here's what that post says from May of 2019. Hi everyone, I love you all so much, but I have to set one more hard boundary here in my space. I am not the groundskeeper for all issues, efforts, and disastrous news stories. Then in her description for that post, she says the following. Stop sending trauma to my inbox and making demands. This is a reminder of my hard boundaries. As a black person, as a woman, As a queer person, as a writer, an advocate, and an academic, I understand that there are issues happening all over the world. I see them, I read them, I acknowledge them. They make me angry, they bring me to my knees, they make me cry, and I take my own personal action against where and when I can. And other times, I put my efforts into supporting others who are more on the ground than I am. I get dozens of messages every day saying, you must post about this, or what do you have to say about that? Or your voice has to be used for this effort, or why haven't you put energy into this issue? 
I do not hold the position as the groundkeeper for all of the issues, efforts, and disastrous news stories coming out of the ground of this country's soil. Sometimes I simply mourn. Sometimes I'll share what others are already taking action on. Sometimes I'll use my writing as an act of resistance. Sometimes it's just too close to home and I have to leave space for breathing instead. Because remember, in most cases, all of the things being sent to me have a direct effect on my own body, my own life, my own community. Remember, your platform matters just as much as mine does. Everything you demand I be sharing or speaking on, you can share and speak on, and it will send ripples too. Oh, man, such a great message. Here is what I loved about this post and the lessons I took away from it. First off, she is saying it with love. You can hear it in the words she chose to use, starting off with, I love you all so much. She acknowledges that there are real issues all over the world. She's not downplaying or discounting anything that people are bringing to her. She's not saying that the things she speaks about are even more important or that the things that they're thinking about are less important. She's not saying anything's not worthy or not real. She's clear and honest about her capacity, making her space to mourn and just breathe a priority. And that sometimes the most you can offer is your support. But what I love the most is how she ended it, reminding us all that our platforms matter just as much as hers. She's not saying the issues that are important to you aren't important. She's saying you are important. And this is powerful stuff. Her boundary actually empowers us. It models and gives us permission to feel it all. She's feeling it all in that post. She's not shutting things down, but she's also modeling and giving us permission to set up boundaries for how we engage with it all. Now, the other lesson I took from this, which is important, is what she's not doing. She's not giving us permission to be cowardly or lazy in a heart-centered approach to life. She's actually pushing us to the opposite. She's saying, feel it all, people, and then chart your own path. Take it all in. Be aware. Educate yourself. Support other people where they need supporting. I thought it was so beautiful. I thought it was so powerful. And for me, a person who needs help setting boundaries, to see the fact that her boundary actually empowers other people, that to me was the most powerful lesson. So this is why I don't think that too much information is actually the real problem with information overload. I've noticed this in my own life over the past few years, as I've dialed into my inner wisdom and started chasing down the whispers of my soul, I just didn't have time for all the nonsense noise. I tuned a lot of things out, a lot, and I turned a lot of things off. And you know what? I'm not missing anything that's holding me back from unleashing my soul song, from bringing into this world what I'm meant to bring in. I catch the headlines in the morning to stay informed, and when someone tells me about something I don't know about, I gently stroke my wounded ego, set it aside, and try to sit with an open heart to learn from that person. If what they're saying to me strikes a chord and I feel the need from my heart to take action, 
I'll go pick up my power tools of intellect and information and I'll do my homework and I'll determine my own actions based on my capacity. And if I don't have the time and space to do that, I'll give my love and support to them as they go forward with their own actions. I've figured out a way to feel it all, even if I don't have to do it all. And even though I'm not getting things done as fast and I'm stopping to feel it all, this shift has honestly been one of the most liberating things I've experienced. And it has honestly been a huge relief in the age of information overload. So I'm going to leave it there today. And I encourage you to please get in touch with me and let me know what you thought of today's show and this whole topic. What do you think of my premise that too much information isn't the problem? And more than that, what comes up for you when you think about putting your heart over your head? When you think about taking intellect and the headspace out of the driver's seat, what's that bring up? To me, it brings up a lot of insecurities. It really did. I have worked in some very intensely head-driven spaces, and it's hard to be in environments like that and to try to justify taking action based off of an inner knowing. You, know, you can't rationalize it. You can't justify it in the same way that you can with data points and facts and figures. And so that makes it hard. I'm so curious what it brings up for you. This is a big one. It's a tough one. So drop me a message over on Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song or head over to theintuneexperience.com and send me a message with your thoughts. So let's keep trying to put that heart first and have a great week, everybody. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street, form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground, no we haven't even touched our highest ground, no we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.